Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. and I'm joined by our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. We're going to be starting a study on the book of Romans. We, Over the past several years of doing this radio show, we, we've taken different approaches to how we come up with the topics week to week. We're going to try something a little bit different over the next uh, few weeks. We're going to study through the entire book of Romans uh, at, together, and we're going to start at the very beginning, and we're going to work through it primarily chapter by chapter as we go. And so hopefully that will give you something to look forward to as you kind of think of head, think ahead week to week. Um, you'll know where we're going to be. And Romans, I think, is one of the most fascinating books, uh, certainly in the New Testament, and a, a great place for, for anyone, regardless of where you are in your, in your journey, uh, to spend some time studying. So we're going to take a, take a stab at studying through that together. So we're going to begin at the very beginning of Romans. And so, Jeremy, as you, as you look at this book and how we kind of set the stage for what we're going to be studying over the next several weeks, Maybe just kind of give us some background as to where Paul is, what's going on, what kind of brought this book about. All right, good morning. It You know, when we think about uh, Paul and the letters that he writes in the pages of the New Testament, there are a lot. I mean, a lot of epistles. I mean, just per books, maybe not necessarily words, because a lot of them are, are shorter books. Uh, but just per books itself, Paul is uh, writes by far the most of anybody else in, in the New Testament. And it is mainly these epistles, whether it be to groups of churches, like the book that he writes to the churches in Galatia, very specific churches like he does here to the church in Rome or Ephesus or Corinth or Thessalonica, or even individual letters that we have, whether it to be to Timothy or Titus or Philemon. You, you have all of these letters, and usually uh, they start and end very similar. Mm -hmm. And the middle will be, you know, something that he wants to get across certainly to them and is always going to be applicable to us. Romans is unique for a couple of different things. I think, number one, it's length. I mean, it's yeah. the Corinthian letters are certainly a little bit longer, but you think about other books like, you know, Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians. You're, you're dealing with four, five, or six chapters, but in Romans, 16 chapters. So it's a, it's a little bit more of a lengthy book. But it's also unique in, in the way that he's writing to brethren that, certainly as you read the first chapter, he's never met before. Mm -hmm. He's not been there. And that's different, certainly, than other places like Corinth or Ephesus specifically, where he had spent a lot of time. Or the letters that he writes to Timothy or Titus or Philemon, where it comes across as having a very personal relationship. But... The book here to, uh, that we have to the brethren in Rome is is a letter written to people that he's not met. Now, he wants to, and ultimately he will get there. I know sometimes we read some of these epistles, and they come after the book of Acts. Right. And you read <laughs> Acts, and you're like, well, wait a minute. He was there. He was in Rome. Well, all of these epistles mm -hmm. are somewhere going to fit in the book of Acts in some place. Mm -hmm. And so I think predominantly it's, you know, people will mostly say that, you know, he's writing this letter in 5758 AD, probably from Corinth, mm -hmm. where we've already made mention he spends a lot of time, not made it to Rome just yet. We study the book of Acts, we know that he will, but he has a heavy desire to be there with them and to talk to those folks. And now you have this letter given to them that really outlines 
in a really a beautiful, very concise, logical even way uh, of the need for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And not just that, how to, get, how to get a hold of it. The need for Christ and how to get a hold of it. And it, it really is a great book for, for someone who's not a Christian, mm-hmm. but even for someone who is, to read about those things and to see exactly how uh, the plan unfolds, really, for God and salvation. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about as you made mention, Paul probably hasn't met personally the vast majority of the people that he's writing to here, but he does know a lot about them. Right. And that's one of the things that he calls out early on in, in Scripture is that their their faith is well known throughout the region. And so while he hasn't been there, while he hasn't met the majority of these people personally, he does have a connection to them through the gospel, and, and he's encouraged by what he hears about them and about the work that's going on there in Rome. And so I can only imagine, as, as he wants so desperately to get there himself, as he talks about not just to, to be able to, to share the gospel with them, but also he recognizes that being able to spend time like that would be good for him. Right. There, there's benefit for him to be able to spend time around people like this as well. And so there is this connection with these Christians in Rome, albeit not a personal one, there's a connection that exists. And I think that's really a beautiful thing when you just stop and think for a moment about the relationship between Christians. I mean, it's the same way for us in a lot of ways. I, there, are, there are Christians around the world that I've never met before, but I know people who have worked with them, and I've, I've heard about the things that they're doing, many of which are, are doing wonderful things for the gospel in, in really difficult circumstances. And that's an encouragement for me to, to hear about that. And I, I pray about those people, and I know that they do the same for us. And, and that kind of connection can exist amongst Christians, even though we haven't met each other face-to-face. And that's, that's the picture of, of what's happened here with Paul and these Christians in Rome. And I think it really sets the tone for how Paul's going to be able to write to them. Yeah. Because while he hasn't met them personally, he writes to them almost as if he knows them very well. I mean, he, he writes very bluntly in some cases and very uh, in detail about the gospel. And so there's a, a real connection that exists between these people that I think is just a beautiful picture of Christianity in general. Yeah, you see, you know, right off the bat in the you know the introductions, a lot of times Paul will make mention of the fact that he's praying for these brethren. Mm-hmm. And, and as we've already made mention several times, usually it's, it's a case about people that he knows very specifically and then you know that's easy for us to understand I mean you know that we need to be praying for the people we know and that we love and we often do that but what we see here in the book of Romans is is Paul in that exact same way he'll say there in verse 8 that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all and and he's making mention that listen I'm praying for you and the work that's being done there even though he's not been there and And it just shows his level of love for God, certainly, mm-hmm. and for all of God's people. And then you made mention, as he does in verse 12, that he wants to be there, but not just to do something for them, but it does something for him. And I think you're right. It really lifts up and showcases the relationship that brethren have and and how strong the bond is through Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and in essence, it's going to be the strongest bond that there is. I mean, mm-hmm. a bond that we share through Christ is ultimately going to be the strongest bond that there is. And Paul, he, he 
he does. I don't want to say play on that, but I don't want to make light of it in any way. But he, he's using that and he's showcasing that in every way as he talks about his love for them and he talks about his need to be with them, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't know any of them. And it, it really is remarkable in the way that it starts. And I think that's really, you know, Romans 1 16 and 17 are, are two of the most well known passages, certainly in this book. But I think understanding what you just mentioned really sets up what he's saying there in those two verses. When he talks about not being ashamed of the gospel and it being the power of God for salvation, everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek, what he's really describing there is the bond that they have together. And it's through the gospel because the gospel is what brought all of these people together. When you think about this, Paul even makes mention of it there in just the previous verse. He's teaching to Jews, he's teaching to Greeks, he's teaching to barbarians, he's teaching to everybody because that's who the gospel is for. It's for everyone. And it's the power of that gospel that's able to bring all of those people together. When you think about it, Paul, you know, being a Jew, he, he most likely wouldn't have had any type of relationship with these people in Rome. Why would he? Right. You know, it's, it's a long way from where he was born and raised. Most of them are Gentiles. There would have been no reason for him to ever have a relationship with these people. But it's the power of the gospel that brings them all together. And that, that's the same thing with us today. When you look at the church, you see a, a group of people, most of whom would never have been brought together under any other circumstances. We're from all different uh, age groups and races and backgrounds and every you know all different in a lot of different ways we would have never come together had it not been for the power of the gospel that brought us all together the salvation that's provided to us through the gospel and that's really i think what sets up these two verses here and what makes them so powerful is to understand that that is the sole purpose for the relationship that exists between these people. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it you know, when we think about having relationships with people today, you know, it's almost always predicated and built upon something that we have in common, al- mm-hmm. almost always. And sometimes you look, and certainly it would have been the case here in Rome, I, I think you're right in the, the predominance of Gentiles, but you're dealing with the city that probably had a potpourri of different mm-hmm. types of people yeah. in it. And so the church would have reflected that there in that city. And it we see that. Certainly we see that there. We, we see that e- even today, even where, where we are in worship here at Traders Point, you get all kinds of different people bonded together by a similar thing, and that similar thing is Jesus. And what makes that relationship so strong is I'll often make mention of the fact that when I think for me, I mean, above everything that's ever happened in my life, the single most important thing that has ever happened to me is Jesus dying for me on the cross Mm -hmm. and me being baptized into that death. It is the single most important thing that's ever happened. More important than my marriage, which is important. More important Mm -hmm. than my kids being Mm -hmm. born and and doing the things they do. And all of that's important. But it is the single most important thing. And then you go to someone like you. We didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't grow up around each other. We've known each other for a while, but not, we didn't grow up with each other. And, but yet, for you, it's the same. The yeah. single most important thing in your life is Jesus and what he's done for you. And now, that's now the same for us. Yeah. The single most important thing in my life we have, we share. And because of that, you can have the kind of bond. And that's what the gospel does. And I think that's what 16 and 17 in here, Romans chapter 1 makes it a key verse, not just for this chapter, but probably for the entirety of the book. Yeah. 
because he'll begin to kind of paint that picture that he'll start kind of at the beginning and make the point that, listen, Jew, Gentile, someone who knows about God, someone who doesn't know anything about God, they're all in the exact same place. They have the same need, and that means they have the same problem, and there is the exact same solution. And all of that kind of unfolds as the book of Romans kind of is laid out for us. Yeah, and that, that's really what he begins with there in verse 18, and, and really going down through midway through chapter 3, he starts to talk about the problem. Problem. Right. And like, like you pointed out, he's going to start at the beginning, and the beginning is bad news for, for us as mankind. And again, not Jew-specific, not Greek-specific, mankind-specific. At the beginning, there's bad news that has to be dealt with. And that's kind of what he begins to talk about here. And as I pointed out, he's going to, he's going to talk about that over the next couple of chapters, really, where he's going to paint a pretty bleak picture for mankind in a lot of ways. And sometimes I think as you read this, you're like, wow, you know, you, you start off with this so such an encouraging introduction to this book about, you know, the, the relationship that these people have and how they're all they're hearing about the great things that are being done and all this stuff. And then you get into this just depressing news that Paul's bringing to these people. But I think, again, that, that really sets up the great news that right. comes through Christ in order to really understand the power of the gospel that he just referenced there in, in verse 16, in order to really understand that, you first have to understand the desperate need that we found ourselves in as human beings before coming in contact with Christ and his death and his blood that he shed for us. Before all of that, we were in a really, really bad situation. And there is an importance in understanding that for us. Even as, as Christians, for those of us who have been baptized into Christ and had our sins forgiven, there is a need, an important need for us to recognize where we were before that. To recognize how bad the situation was before that because that's going to help us appreciate even more what Christ did for us. Yeah, and he really gets into it, like you said, pretty quickly. I mean, we've made mention of 16 and 17 and, and how great of verses those are and those verses that we talk about all the time that paint that picture about the gospel and the power that it has to save man. And then really verse 18, is it, it kind of begins the meat, if you will, of the book itself. And, and, it, and it talks about... You know, pretty scary stuff. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And so you have this thing, you know, with the wrath of God. Listen, we're interested in the love of God. We're interested in the peace of God. Uh, we're not as interested in the wrath of God. I mean, that's not that's something that nobody wants. Yeah. But it's laid out here in verse 18 that, listen, the wrath of God is, is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness who suppress the truth. And then in essence, the book of Romans is going to deliver what that truth is. Mm -hmm. And the point is going to be made. You can accept the truth and enjoy all of the blessings that come with that. Or, as we see here, you can suppress the truth, and when that happens, the wrath of God is going to be levied on top of you. And it, ultimately, then it's going to come down to a choice. I mean, I know we're just in chapter 1, but I mean, that's really what the book of Romans is. I mean, yeah. it, it lays out a choice for us. Are you interested in the blessings of God? Are you interested in the wrath of God? And if you're interested in the blessings of God, the book of Romans will show you in strict detail how to get a hold of that. But if you're, you're not interested in that, well, then the wrath of God, mm -hmm. is, there's no, I choose neither. It's going to be one or the other. And the wrath of God, there's pretty specific things laid out about that as well. And we see some of those even here in chapter one as it unfolds. Uh, yeah, well, I really I really like verse 21 as, as he begins talking about this. You know, 
I think 21 gives us an indication of how we got there. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how, did, how did you get there? How did you get to the point in which you're, you're, you're facing the, the potential consequences of the wrath of God? And he says there in verse 21, because although they knew God, so there's a recognition of, of who God is, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. I think that really is the beginning of the wickedness that has taken over mankind is that as he points out in just a couple verses above there is no denying god he is clearly seen in the creation that he he's given to us you can't deny that there's an understanding of god in that context but if you refuse to glorify him as god and if you refuse to be thankful for what he's done then that's going to lead you into this situation that he's going to be talking about. And when you look at, at the human race and you go, I mean, throughout time, that really has been uh, the problem that has faced all of us at some point in time, where we have chosen to glorify self instead of God, where we have chosen to take credit for the things that have happened in our life instead of giving God the thanks for those things. And that really has been the beginning of this, where sin has come into the world and, and in all of our lives has at some point taken over, and we now have to deal with the consequences of that, and that, of course, is going to lead us to the grace extended to us by Christ. Yeah, you know, right here off the bat, you know, as he gets into the, the wrath of God and, and it being, you know, laid down on folks. He's taking excuses out, you know, right away. I mean, you know, we think about the, you know, the Jewish folks, like certainly Paul was. I mean, it's it's easy for, you know, us to see the fact that God was revealed to them as he was. You know, Jehovah God, he was right. revealed to them in a very specific way. You study through the pages of the Old Testament and you see that, you know, he, he was revealed to them in all kinds of different ways and his power and his law that he gave to them, you know, directly and the, the blessing that came from following him. But yet you think about the Gentiles, and, and maybe you think that, I mean, how, how would they ever know? God didn't, you know, he didn't reveal himself to them. Mm-hmm. But yet the point is made, no, God has revealed himself to all man. Yep. And he's done so, as we saw there in verse 20, that, listen, he, he, is, he is evident and made himself manifest in, in, in even his creation all around. I mean, you take a moment and it, it, it sinks in of, of how. how. How did we get the trees? How did mm-hmm. we get the mm-hmm. mountains? How do we get this world? And, and it is God that's being screamed, you know, in all of those things. And for even the non-Jew, the non-old law, you know, it, it is still that God has been revealed to them. It, it's almost a very similar thing you see with Paul in Acts 17. I mean, you don't see very often of almost how to get the gospel to non-Bible or non-God's word folks, but you see it here, and you see it in Acts 17 in a very similar way. When Paul is there in Athens, and they have all of these, uh, you know, different gods, and he stops there at the, you know, to the unknown God, and he talks about creation. He talks Mm -hmm. about, you know, I want to talk to you about this God, the one that everybody really knows, the one that is the one true God, and you kind of see that right here, and it it is the taking away of that excuse. It is putting the Gentile brethren in a position where they can't say, well, listen, you know, we, we don't know God the way that the Jews know God. Mm-hmm. Well, no, everybody, yeah. everybody has an opportunity to know God if, you're, if you allow, as you said, self to get out of the way a little bit and recognize that he is there. Or you can suppress the truth of that. And we've seen already you do that. That's when the wrath of God enters in. And so it's interesting, I think, here, the, you know, the direction that chapter 1 goes. And it really shouldn't surprise us that this has been the case. Because, I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning, that was the exact situation that Adam and Eve were in. They were faced with a choice 
just like you and I are faced with a choice, just like these Romans were faced with a choice, just like every human that's walked this earth has been faced with a choice. And in the case of Adam and Eve, they were literally in the presence of God, and yet they still had a choice to make. It's not about understanding that, yes, God is there. It's now about, are you going to be obedient to him? And that, that's the choice that all of us have been put in from time to time. And as, as you pointed out, as Paul points out, listen, God has proven himself. Whether he was walking the earth with Adam and Eve, whether his son was walking the earth, or, or whether it's through the, the, the gospel that we have to read today, God has proven himself. Now, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to submit yourself to, to him and his will, or are you going to deny that? Are you going to, to put self in front of God? Are you going to refuse to glorify him? Are you going to refuse to be thankful? Are you going to be a fool, as Paul points out here, in regards to those things? It's the same choice that we've always had, and it will always be there as long as this earth stands. Man is going to have a choice as to what we're going to do with God. And that's what these, these Romans faced. That's what everyone has faced. And so Paul here is kind of painting the picture for them. Listen, you guys have been through this. He's writing to Christians. You right. guys have been through this. But I need you to understand the decision that you made is one that everyone is going to face. And you need to recognize that that's a tough thing for people to work through sometimes. But the consequences of it are very, very severe. How you're going to handle that and the decisions you're going to make in regards to what to do with God. Yeah, you know, you see really the first several chapters of the book of Romans begin to answer some very basic questions. Why, why do I need salvation? Well, mm-hmm. I need salvation because I, I've got the wrath of God that I've got to deal with. Well, who needs it? Well, yeah. everybody needs it. And you start to see all of those questions being answered right here in the book of Romans. And you, know, and you, and you see the, the beginning of that really in 18 through 23. And then you have this picture kind of you know, painted for us there beginning of verse 24 about, uh, about for those that reject. I mean, mm-hmm. for those that reject God and reject the truth and suppress the truth, ultimately, you know, what kind of people or, or what God does even. I mean, you know, the point's made, and we'll talk about it you know, more here in just a second, but I mean, the point is made that all Ultimately, in the choice that you've just talked about, God's going to allow us to make that choice. Mm-hmm. He's going to allow us to choose. And even if we make a poor choice by suppressing the truth, God is going to allow that to happen. And when, when, we allow, when we make that choice, bad things are going to take place. Yeah. But yet God is going to allow that to happen because he's allowing us to choose. And that is great power that man has, and it is incredible responsibility. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what the book of Romans does for us. Paul, for them and for us, he lays out what we need to make that choice. And I think he does so in a pretty easy, pretty easy way that should lend us to say, well, it should be a no contest in the way. But ultimately, you know, the reality for them and the reality, the sad reality for us, is still most people are going to choose to suppress the truth. And, you know, I'm sure it, I know it saddens God because scripture tells us he wants he wants everybody to repent mm-hmm. he wants everybody to come to salvation he wants that for everybody that's why he sacrificed his son but ultimately he's going to allow man to choose and most of the time man chooses poorly because man is solely focused on himself and that's you know when you read through these first few chapters one of the things that'll stand out <clears throat> we've talked a little bit about the wrath of god that's talked about here in chapter one He's going to talk about the judgment of God. He's going to talk about how the law couldn't take care of the problem of sin. He's going to talk about the fact 
that at some point everyone has given in to sin and the consequences that can come with it. He's going to lay all of this out. And I think the point, by the time you get midway through chapter 3, I think the point is for all of us to be sitting there thinking, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> yeah. you know, Help yeah. me. Yeah. What, what do I need to do? Because this, this doesn't sound good. Right. I, I think that's the point. Like the, He wants us to just kind of take a moment to sit with all of that and feel disgusting about a choice that leads you into sin. Like he wants us to feel that. I think that's really important as you read through this. Even as a Christian who has, who has been baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, even, even as someone who, is, who has taken advantage of the salvation offered to me, there's still value in taking a moment to sit and think about the life that I once lived prior to making that decision. And, and why I never want to go back to it again. Because I don't ever want to feel like this ever again. I don't ever want to sit and, and think about the wrath of God being poured out upon me and the judgment of God being poured out upon me. And I, don't, I don't want to be in that situation anymore. And I think that's why these first few chapters of Romans are so impactful and so important is because it forces us to just kind of experience those yucky feelings, maybe for the first time or maybe just kind of think about those in the sense of I never want to go back to it, which Whichever, one, whichever case you're in, there's value in spending some time in that and allowing the weight of sin to just be realized in our minds for a little while. Yeah, you know, here at the end of chapter 1, you know, as we're kind of wrapping things up, I mean, you, you get this picture of, you know, that you have a phrase that God gave them up, and you, mm-hmm. and you see this, you know, occur, you know, several different times, and and certainly that's not God forcing anybody to make a decision. We've made mention already that it's it's God allowing this decision to be made. Yeah. He, he's going to allow them to go in whatever direction that, that man chooses to go, and sometimes it's going to be in a... In a, a bad spot. It's going Mm -hmm. to be in a place where he talks about uncleanness there in verse 24, about vile passions. And he talks about all of these terrible things that ultimately is going to bring the wrath of God, you know, down on top of us. And, you know, Paul is, he's big in the lists. I mean, we, if you're study it all through the epistles, I mean, you see that all the time. He's big in the list. He's got, he's got lists in nearly every epistle that he writes. And, and that's what you have here. And there's all kinds of, you know, there's all kinds of, of shameful things and sinful practices, you know, given up that's listed for us right here. And, I, you know, listen, I don't want to take, this is a, a small tangent, but I think it's one that's important for us, certainly culturally, you know, important for us, specifically made mention here that's talked, I mean, explicitly even, is homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes in the culture that we're in, you know, it's that, you know, that battle of, listen, is it a choice, is it not? And, and even the question, you know, listen, does God really say that it's a sin, homosexuality? Is he really uh, against that? And sometimes you'll talk to people that say, to God, you know, the Bible never says that. Yeah. Well, the Bible does. Mm-hmm. In, in multiple different places. Mm-hmm. And one of those places right here in Romans chapter 1, where it's not just mentioned homosexuality as he does, you know, to letter to the Corinthian brethren. It's talked about explicitly here mm-hmm. about women exchanging, you know, what's natural and being with other women and men doing the same. And it made mention that it is a vile thing, that it is a mm-hmm. shameful thing. And, uh, you know, what? 
unfortunately, it's just one of those things that it's good for us to kind of put into our mind that, yeah, the Bible does talk about it. And one of those places right here, Romans chapter 1. I think what makes that even more impactful is how he concludes this first chapter Mm. by after going through this list, he says there that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And so there is this sense in which, yes, certainly practicing these things, of which in that list, not only homosexuality, but, you know, murder and deceit and even disobedience to parents is is in that same list. And so when you start to think about all of those things that are in there, sometimes I think we can get into the trap, fall into the trap of saying, yeah, I'm not going to participate in any of that. But do you approve of people who do? Because that's also a danger that has to be considered when you look at this. And so I think it's important, as you pointed out, to to look at some of these lists. I think sometimes the tendency is, oh, there's another list from Paul, and we kind of skip over and we move on to something else. But to really think about that and to think about do we... Do we approach sin in the way that God wants us to approach sin? We, we can't just stand idly by yeah. uh, because that also is something that's looked down upon from God. We need to be people who are actively teaching the gospel and the truth in regards to these things. Yeah, and, and it's not about, you know, hate for these people no. practicing these things. It's about hate for the sinful practice. And I think that showcase uh, maybe the best about the Book of Romans because the Book of Romans is about love for everybody. Right. It is exactly. about everybody needs the gospel. Everybody needs the blessings that come with it. And it is really an interesting thing that you have, certainly there at the end of verse 32, that certainly these people are deserving of death, that that's the penalty that comes. But but even approving of those things, and I think you're right, it comes down for us to, to make a decision. Are we going to stand with the truth? Or are we going to suppress the truth? Yep. And if we stand with the truth, there's great blessings that come. If we suppress the truth, that man, I mean, there's the wrath of God that, that is brought down on us. And you listen, for the brethren in Rome, even for the Jews specifically that may be there as they're reading that, you know, maybe they'll they're read chapter 1 and they'll say, well, that makes good sense. The Gentiles, mm-hmm. they need God bad. We are the Jews. We've always had God. Well, I mean, as we get into chapter 2 next week, yeah. guess what? He's going to yeah. throw them in the same right. boat because ultimately that's the, you know, one of the main points of this first few chapters. Everybody is in trouble. Yeah. Everybody is in trouble, the Jews included. Yep. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Uh, hopefully this has been a, a good introduction uh, to the, the book of Romans. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the, the show this morning, we'll pick up in chapter two next week and we'll continue our study through Romans over the next several weeks. So please uh, join us next week uh, as we continue in chapter two. Uh, just as a way of, of wrapping things up this morning, if you're if you're looking for a place to worship, you're interested in studying more, we certainly want to invite you to come and be with us. Uh, we we meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. Uh, we have Bible classes on Sunday morning at nine, Wednesday at seven p.m., and then worship at 10, p, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and six p.m. on Sunday evening. So please come and join us uh, if if you are able to do that. So thank you again for taking some time to study with us this morning. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.